for us. All righty. So we've had a great time in this church, uh, at least I have, over the past few months, talking about what? The cross and the blood and... It's been awesome. And so I was sort of at a loss of where, you know, Lord, where do we go from here? And uh, so uh, where I want to go is, is to give you the most clear and systematic uh, uh, of Paul's messages, of Paul's letters on the gospel in the Bible. Okay? And that's the book of Ephesians. Whether people realize or not, Ephesians is the is his clearest exposition of the of the gospel. It really describes what the gospel really is. The whole book is. I used to think Romans was for years because there's so much, uh, but it's not really Romans because Romans, if you really study it close, it lacks some very key elements of the gospel. Like for one, the kingdom of God is not even mentioned in Roman, the book of Romans, which right there tells you that. It's not Paul's revelation, total revelation on the gospel of the kingdom. So I believe the Lord, see, the Lord really wants to really reveal to us not only the cross, which is the foundation, but how we build on on that. And I believe Ephesians really is the revelation on how to build our lives and how to build the church. Okay? Yeah? Y'all with me? So, um, first of all, Paul wrote this letter when he was in prison in Rome towards the end of his life, which means many, you know, to me that says this, many people have gone through a hard time. How many people here in your worst moments is you realize later once you get out of them, it was your greatest moments in terms of revelation of the Lord? Does anybody have that experience? That in your deepest, darkest hours is when God begins to reveal to you his greatest treasures. And that really is a uh, really, the way this thing works is so. And this was Paul was in his deepest, darkest hour, in, in terms of his life, and this is where God gave him this revelation that he uh, wrote down in Ephesians. Now, the book is the theme of the book is this: it's the purpose and power of God. The purpose and power. That's the whole theme of that book, and uh, it's uh, God's plan and purpose and the power to put God's plan and purpose in effect into your life, into my life. Okay, that's what he reveals in this book. God's, God's plan and purpose for your life and the power for that purpose and plan to be realized. It literally is the blueprint for the Christian life and the blueprint for the church. It's right here. You know, a blueprint for y'all who don't know about blueprints, probably most people do, but just in case you don't, when you go to build something like a house or a building or, or, or design a, a circuit or anything like that, there's a thing called blueprints. I don't think they're actually blue anymore. That came from the old days when they used ammonia to make prints. Nowadays they have computers, so they're probably, but they still call them blueprints. You know, just like they still call uh, fairway woods fairway woods, even though they're metal now. If you play golf, you know, I just thought I'd throw that in. I was looking at John for that came to my mind. John taught me how to play golf. Thank you, John. Yeah, amen. Anyway, so... Anyways, it is the blueprint of our life. So in other words, we can look at Ephesians and see how, our, how we build upon the cross in our life. And we build upon this revelation of the cross. This is how you do it. it uh, you know, it has been called the pearl, the pearl of epistles. And that pearl came out of Paul's troubled times. You know, like an oyster produces a pearl because there's an irritation. And see, I just want to say to some people here, you're in a very irritated time in your life, but really God's producing pearls in your life, and you don't even know it yet. But there's a pearl that's going to come forth. Amen? There's a real pearl that God wants to give you. Okay, the book is broken down into two parts. Are y'all good this morning? I'm, I, I could just, I don't, I need to be careful here. The book is, I just get off on all kinds of rabbit trails. The, Two parts, uh, and it's really easy. Uh, chapter 1 through 3 is part 1. Chapter 4 through 6 is part 2. The first part talks about the inward work of salvation in our life. That's what it's all about, chapter 1 through 3. It's about your relationship with the Father and, and Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's, it's, that's the vertical part of your Christian life, it's chapter 1 through 3. Chapter 4 through 6 is the, the horizontal part of your Christian life. 
is how this, this thing that God has done in you, what God has put in you, is how it's outworked. And two of the key words uh, in chapter 4 through 6 would be like, walk, you know, walk in love, walk in light, walk in humility, walk in warfare. And so those are, those are how this Christian life works out. So the first, first three chapters, God gives us the, the, the vertical, how, what God puts in us, what God does in us. And then the last, He tells us, all right, now how, this is how this is expressed in your life and to other people and the devil. Right? Because the warfare is not against other people, it's against the devil. Uh, let me tell you that, that grace is a very important part of Ephesians. In fact, the word grace is used 12 times in Ephesians. 12 times. Another very prominent uh, word in Ephesians is glory. How many people like the glory? Come on, we want to we want to get in the glory realm. Well, Ephesians tells you how to get into the glory realm. Okay, that's that's pretty good. I think I'm into that glory realm stuff myself because everything changes in the glory realm. Uh, are y'all good? Okay. Another very important word is my favorite my favorite phrase in the Bible: in the heavenly places. And that's something in the hell, and it appears five times in Ephesians, and guess what? It does not appear, that phrase does not appear anywhere else in the entire Bible. So this is really the place you, if you really want to, if you really want to connect into the heavenly world, Ephesians tells you how to do it. It's such a, such an awesome, awesome book, man. Um, let me just read, we need to read the Bible some instead of just talk about it, right? <laughs> Oh, thank you, Lord. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, this is important when we talk about the will of God. That word will means uh, the, the desire of the heart, a heartfelt desire, heartfelt emotion. Okay? Isn't that powerful? You get that? God, when God puts a call on somebody, it's, not so, it is, it's his desire. There's something in him that wants that so bad. That's why the calling is so powerful in people's lives, because it's coming out of God's heart. It's coming out of God's emotions. I, I think that's powerful. Uh, to the saints who are in Ephesus, Ephesus, that's who he's addressing it to, and faithful in Christ Jesus. To the saints and faithful. Now, I have a real good testimony on faithful. Okay? On, being, on people being faithful, because a lot of people have gone through bad times lately. Who hasn't gone through a bad time? Raise your hand. Because we want... Uh, I know you're kidding, okay? But here's the truth. So I had, we had our leadership retreat recently, and there were three guys in particular that I had this thing I wanted, I really wanted to get them, so I thought, boy, this is clever. I'm going to get them up there where they're just a bunch of guys. I can take them off to the side. Nobody's going to know, and I'm going to burn them. I'm going to rebuke them, because I don't think they've been very faithful, Lord. So this is my chance to get them. <laughs> and you know what the Lord said? Mm-mm. You rebuke them, I'll rebuke you. That's what he told me. You rebuke them, I'm going to rebuke you. When the Lord tells you that, guess what you don't do? <laughs> yeah, I don't want the Lord rebuking me. I've had him rebuke me. I had my pastor one time rebuke me. I can remember it to this very day. You know what he told me? He said, I don't believe you. That was the rebuke. When he said that, it was like somebody stuck a sword in my heart. Because I had told him 20 things I was going to do, and I didn't do any of them. Finally, on the 20th one, he just said, Byron, I don't believe you, and walked off. Now, that was a sword of the Lord. That's a rebuke. You know, that's when God rebukes you. It brings life because it made me realize I need to start telling the truth with my life and put my, put my action behind my words. I'm just telling you that just in case you've been saying stuff and you haven't been doing it. The Lord may be passing that little admonishment along to you. Amen? That's good, isn't it? But the, God, when God rebukes, rebukes you, it brings life. There's life that comes. It really is. It's a, it's a strange mixture of bittersweet. Uh, but, but what the Lord told me to tell them was this. If you are here today and you're believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you have passed the test. You're faithful. So I want to say that to you this morning. God is saying, because the enemy's telling you you hadn't been faithful. Okay? That's what he's telling you. You're not faithful. You, you know, and he'll give you a list of ways you haven't been faithful. But it's really not the truth. Uh, and just in case, uh, just in case you haven't been, Jesus wants to tell you this. I have been. Okay? And I will give you my faithfulness. Because really in the end, it's all His faithfulness. So God wants to set people free today. 
okay, to realize that you are faithful in Christ. And there's power that comes with that. When you realize I'm faithful in Christ because God made me faithful in Christ. There's power that comes in. There's, there's not a judgment that comes on There's not a weight that comes on it. It sets you free to really be faithful, right? Amen? I know that was for somebody in, in this room. All right, the next thing, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, this is not a verse-by-verse message, okay? Because I'm not good enough to do that. You know, it's, it's revelation that God speaks to me. The problem is, I was reading it this morning. I thought I'd read this first chapter again this morning, and I got all this new stuff that I didn't get before. I thought, oh, this is, this is endless, Lord. But this is this grace. I've heard this grace here. See, what is happening? Paul is, is doing, releasing an impartation here when he said, Grace to you and peace from my Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what that grace is. This is what has been called ennobling grace. You know what no, ennobling grace is? You know what nobility is? You know what royalty is? Well, Paul was releasing right from the beginning, letting these people who hear this, which includes us, letting us know that we belong, we're noblemen. We are princes, princesses, and prince today. We belong to a royal family. And there's a grace that wants to tell you that. You may not feel royal. Your circumstances may not tell you that you're royal, that you, you are somebody special. But the Lord is telling you that. And so I, I see people in this room, I know you don't believe that, really. You believe it because the Bible says it, but you don't believe it as a reality. There's an impartation of grace for you to really believe that. And when you start believing that, your life can really change. There's a change that can come in you because when you believe and really come into your truest identity, you start acting that way. You become royalty. Your life becomes royalty. And people who are royal, they have this heart to bless others. They have the ability to bless others. Amen? Come on now. All right, then he shifts gears. He's, he's given his introduction. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to get this. That's the first thing. See, Paul, before he says, Listen, I'm fixing to tell you the blueprint. I'm fixing to tell you how to tap into the heavenly realm. I'm fixing to tell you all the riches that we have. But before we do that, before we talk about any of that, we've got to do one thing. We've got to worship. Isn't that good? We've got to just say, Blessed be the Father. The Father of the Lord. See, you see how much worship is like the Lord's Prayer. Oh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, everything that God does, worship is the thing. Worship is the foundation. Worship is the life of it. And see, what that's really what God is looking to impart. I really know, I know this. In, our, in this time we're living in, the thing that's on the Father's heart, I'm looking for worshipers. Those who would worship me in spirit and in truth. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm hungry for. I'm lo- hungry for that. And that's really what he's trying to do today at River Life Fellowship. He's trying to create a community of worshipers. That's really it. He's wanting to create a community of worshipers. Because out of that, then the riches of heaven get released. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's an impartation of worship. And that's so that Paul wanted to make sure that we just worship. Do y'all feel like this urge in you to worship? I've, I've never had an urge in me to worship like now. You know, I've had little moments, little spots, but I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about just when I come into church. I'm talking in my life. I'm talking about in my life. I'm just saying, Lord, I, wanna, I just want to worship you. And it's because of our, a greater revelation of the person of Jesus. It's because he's rolled back the veil a little bit and let me see him and see how wonderful he is and see that he is worthy of all worship. He, he really is, and that's what God's going to do in the earth. You know, I heard a person years ago say that was God's ultimate, that was sort of God's ace in the hole, a greater revelation of Jesus. When all else fails, God's going to roll Jesus out. You know, I've got the ace in the hole. You thought you won this hand. No, I'm going to throw something down that trumps everything. It's a revelation of Christ. And that's what will change our lives. It will change our hearts. And there is a progressive revelation of Jesus being released in the earth. And I just feel that worship thing so strong. But I want to tell you what worship is. You know, some of you won't even lift your hands to the Lord because it's an embarrassment. I remember when I first tried to lift my hands to the Lord, because I was hanging around this girl who loved to worship the Lord. And I was sort of liking her, so I thought I need to get in on this worship thing. Although I think these people are idiots. I don't really like the way they worship. They act like fools, you know. But since she's in on it, I'm going to just sort of slide in on it. I thought, I've got to raise my hands. Because she's raising her, so I just decided I'm going to raise my hand. Lift them hands a little bit over here. and You know, and 
Well, I've found out something about worship. I, I, I could use somebody. Come up here. I would raise my hands high, but it would be humiliating because of the perspiration. I'm using a nice word. Under my arms is ugly. You know how you see somebody in a video, they raise their hands and they're sweaty under their arms? And you think, ooh. Well, I, won't, I don't want to do that to you. So, Becky, come up here. Because she... She can raise her hands because she's not sweaty like me. Because I sweat when I do. I sweat when I worship. I sweat when I pray. I sweat because I have all this fire inside of me that makes me sweat. And some people don't sweat when they got fire in them. That doesn't mean you don't have fire because you don't sweat. That's just me. I'm just. But and some people had to get over it. What? Tell me something, Sarah. Wait a minute. Tell me. I want you to tell me something. What did that guy say that time about? Don't judge my praise. And tell me. Don't judge. My breakthrough till you seen my been through. Yeah. Don't judge my breakthrough till you seen my been through. Some of us have been through some stuff and we done got flat crazy acting because we had a breakthrough. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I like. I'm just, see, I used to be a person who watched those breakthrough people acting fools. I thought they, those people are messed up. I don't ever want to be like one of them. But I've become one of those people because I've been through something and God got me through it. I saw God. But I want you to get this about worship. I want you to get it. If you don't get anything else, raise your hands, darling, and show them. You know, that's the international sign. There's two things that means at least this morning. One is the international. Raise them up. It's I surrender. That is the international sign for surrender. You see, it's, I'm submitting myself. See, that's worship. You, when you say, God, I just surrender. I'm surrendered to you, Lord. That's real worship. That's the worship of heaven. When we surrender to Him. And Matthew, Matthew pointed out it's something else. Not only is it the international sign of symbol, it's when your little baby, precious boy, runs to you. Daddy, take me. And have you seen that? Pablo saw it. He saw it. He saw his little boy raise his hands to it. When I'm going to daddy, I got my hands. So you need to start raising your hands. <laughs> if you're one of those people who are embarrassed about raising your hands, if you can see it like that, it'll set you free. But I'll tell you something. God's looking for people who will raise their hands in here. That's where it begins at, in here. You see, why? and that's why Paul was saying we've got to worship. We've got to be worshipers. And I just can't emphasize that enough. If I could get anything through to you today, if you don't hear anything else in this, we've got to receive this impartation of worship. It's here. The Lord showed me some angels one time not long ago, and they were trying to build an altar here. Okay, right here. There's an altar being built. It's an altar of worship. That's what God's saying. What are you doing, Lord, at River Life? Oh, I'm building an altar of worship there. I'm looking down from heaven looking for those worshipers to come forth because those people are going to do some stuff. The truth is, is David Helton, you're a great guitar player. You know, but you're a worshiper. And when you get to heaven, I don't know if the guitar will go. I'm thinking I may be the guitar player in heaven. Because that was my dream. He's living my dream. Play, I play the guitar great to the Lord, except it's an air guitar. I can tear it up. In heaven, I may get there and they may hand me the best guitar that exists. I don't know. I'm hoping David will play with me. <laughs> but you know what? When I get to heaven, I'll tell you what I won't be. I won't be a pastor. But I will be a worshiper. You know, I won't be a pastor. I'll be a worshiper. You know, if the Lord wants to use me to do some stuff, I'll do that too. But I think He's going to use me to worship. So that was where Paul began in Ephesians. And if you can see that in Ephesians, everything else in Ephesians goes back to that one thing, worship. It's all about worship. It's all about this person. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to believe at this point because I'll wind up not getting to finish this message because I'm going to shift into ultra drive here in a minute. But I'm going to tell you this, okay? There really is a revelation of Christ coming. You and I are going to see Him. And I'm telling you, when you start seeing him, when that veil starts seeing there's something, it'll mess with you. It'll mess with you. It'll mess with you at that moment, and it'll keep messing with you. It'll keep, it'll keep messing with you. Because I'm telling you, he is something else. He's, he's something else. He's, there's nothing like him. There's nothing on earth like him. Nothing. And we say that, that and there's none like you, Lord, but I'm telling you, that was what's going to change a sinner's heart. Okay, that's going to change the hard Christian's heart. That's going to change, that is it, it's him. It's when we see him, and I think the beauty of the Lord's coming. I love that, don't you? 
Oh, yeah. Come on, Lord. Well, anyways, let me just move on here. Blessed be the God. We've done some worship now. Uh, who and The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has. Everybody say has. He has blessed us. He, it's, it's like past tense. This is a done deal with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In other words, Paul, now, now he's shifting in. He's saying, listen, you have already been blessed. We want to be blessed. Lord, bless me. Please bless me. He's saying, I already have. What I want to teach you how is I want to teach you how to go where? To the heavenly places to get your blessing. Because in the heavenly places is where your blessing is. And it don't do you no good living in the earth if you, can't, if you don't understand how to tap into the heavenly places. And, and, and Ephesians tells you how to tap into the heavenly places. People have told me, the heavenly realm stuff doesn't do me any good, Byron. And I'm telling you, you're making a big mistake. It does. Because that's where your blessings are. If you want to be blessed, if you want all this enrichment, you've got to learn how to go there. It's there. It's available. We pray, Lord, unlock storehouses. He is not talking about, uh, what is the name of that many stores down there? Store, you know, many storage uh, down here on 115. What is the name of that? Curtis Mini. He is not talking about Curtis Mini storage. Okay, he is talking about something in heaven. And guess what? The only person that can unlock that, the Lord's given you the key to it. You just have to learn how to use that key and access it. But it's there. I promise you it's there. Every once in a while, the Lord will let you see it. He'll set something out on the loading dock and says, come get it. And you've got to be able to go to the loading dock of heaven and get those things He, he is putting out there for us. Let me say this. God is good to us, right? We, we're really emphasizing God is good to us, but God is also good for us. You see that? Good for us. You see, that's why many people, they don't, they're not receiving the heavenly stuff and they're confused, they're messed up. It's because they haven't learned how to access. It's the truth that Lizzie, no, Savannah Squires, your daddy is not going to let you get in that vehicle and drive home today. Because you're not ready to get in that vehicle. And I'm not ready for you to be doing that neither. Because <laughs> if your daddy does it, I'm running for the woods. Okay? She's not ready for it. So her daddy is good for her and for us. <laughs> that he will not allow her to hurt herself. But, there's a, he, but she's being prepared. She's being equipped for the day when her daddy hands her the keys. Okay? Do you understand that? That's God being good for us. We're learning how to access something. When she learns how to access this ability to drive a car responsibly, she'll and does the things that God or the law requires, she'll drive. Do y'all see that? So we've got to see that God is good to us and God is good for us. All the time. I mean, there's, there's no exception in your life. There's zero exception. God is always good for you. Period. Anyways, are y'all good? It says this. Um, it says that uh, that the purpose and pl- this this book is about the purpose and plans of God for our life. Okay, this is God's purpose and plan for you. Okay, to learn how to live out of the heavenly places, because that's where everything is. Do you, do you see that? The book is about God's purposes and plans for your life and the power power to 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 fulfill those purposes and plans. And those purposes and plans are in the heavenly places. It says it. Those blessings are in the heavenly places. So the book tells us, do you see this? The book tells us how to access those things. Are y'all getting that? This is why this is such a powerful book. Do you want to know why they, it's, it's, the, it's the gospel? Because the gospel is the good news. This is the good news. Paul's saying, all right, now this is what the good news really means. This is the whole of the good news. Woo, thank you, Matthew. People are crazy, man. I'm telling you they are. All right, so I'm one of those crazy people. Okay? I'm excited about this. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about what the Lord's trying to do in my life and in your life. I really am. God's trying to stir something. He's, there's certain people getting stirred up. They're stirred up, man. And I'm saying be stirred up more. You know why? Because they're the fire starters. They're the ones, and it's going to spread. 
that something new God's going to do. So when I'm hearing people stir up, I'm thinking, come on. I want, I want in on, you know, let me get around them. Touch me, stir me up, do something to me, please. All right, so here's the, the thing I want to talk to you about. The one, because this is the beginning. This is the number one thing, the first thing that Paul talks about, the, num- the first riches, okay, in the heavenly places that Paul wants us to know about, and it's adoption. Okay, this is what, what he talks about. The first thing that Paul talks about, the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, the riches in the heavenly places, the first one is adoption. Now, I'm going to tell you something about adoption. If you get this revelation, you will learn how to live out of the heavenly realm. This will teach you. This will show you. This will give you all a lot. This is a door opener, okay? Understanding what adoption, getting revelation on adoption, okay? This is really, and for some reason, God is right now has shifted and said, y'all need to emphasize adoption right now. It just happened. In fact, I thought people were tired of that. That's what I was saying. A lot of people are tired of all that. They've heard that father's love. They've heard that so many times. They're sick of it. They don't want to hear another father's love thing. And if they, they're going to slap somebody if they hear that term again. Well, that was my thinking. There's people that are desperate for this, this message. Uh, and adoption is such a, a key. And for me personally, when I became into a revelation of this, this is what enabled me and taught me how to tap into the heavenly realm. Is once I got this revelation, suddenly I began to see what Paul was talking about here and how to really live from the heavens and not earth. And this, so it's powerful. So that's what I want to talk to you right quick like. All righty? <laughs> All right, so in verse 5, I'm going to go back to verse 4 in a minute. This is what he says. Having predestined us... All right, who's a Presbyterian? Come on, you're in the right room. We got you right covered, baby. Predestination. I was a Presbyterian. Well, I went to a Presbyterian church. I never hooked up with them. They didn't like me in that Presbyterian church. They knew, that, they knew me before I was a Christian. They wanted me out. Get him out, and he's causing trouble. <laughs> but my family was big into the Presbyterian world. Uh, anyways, that's why I know that Presbyterians love predestination, because my daddy used to talk to me about predestination when I was a kid all the time. I was like, what? Who cares, Dad? <laughs> but did I care now? He was telling me something. You know, how, you know how it is. The older you get, the smarter your daddy gets. That's the truth. That is a truth. That holds true. The older you get, the smarter your daddy gets. Well, anyway, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. If you say, so basically, number one, so I'm going to tell you some things about adoption. Number one, adoption is from God the Father. That is really, you've got to get that. It is from God the Father. It says in the end of verse 5, it says, In love, here's how you can say it, In love, He predestined us for adoption. So adoption was part of God's plan before anything ever happened. It was all, in other words, God didn't wake up one day and look at mankind and say, those people have sinned, those people have orphaned themselves, those people have set, you know, separated themselves. Now I've got to come up with a plan to get them back in. No, He already had that plan from, from eternity past. He already had a plan of adoption in place. It has always been His plan. It will always be His his plan. Adoption is the oldest, one of the oldest things about God there is. Adoption has always existed. Adoption will always exist. Adoption will outlive everything on this earth. So I'm talking about you. I'm talking about something that will outlive this room. It will outlive our physical bodies. It's going to be in heaven. When we get to heaven. It's still going to be there because it's a very part of the nature and heart of God. Is He's an adoptive God. He created everything around that to show us that He likes to adopt, and that's what He does. Okay. So He planted before the world was created, and and it really is our destiny. Our destiny is to be adopted. Our, des- our destiny is to live in adoption. So now here's the, here's the thing I want you to give you, give you. In Paul's day, when he wrote this, they did not adopt babies. Okay? They did not adopt babies. They adopted adults. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? I'm going to go out and adopt an adult. It's like I'm going to go out and adopt David. Well, here's what it is. I'm a man. Let me give you this illustration. I'm this man, and I'm an electric guitar-playing maniac. And I, that's what I want to do, and that's what I want my family to be all about, is being able to take a, take a electric guitar and just tear it up. And so, but I don't have no kids. And one day I come to River Life, and I see David Helton up there playing the electric guitar, and I'm saying, I'm going to adopt that man. He is David Wicker. 
And when I die, my guitar playing will live on through David Wicker. And he will have children, and they will be able to play the electric guitar. And literally, that's what they did in that day. They chose the best thing that they were looking for about who they thought they were. Are, are you getting, getting the drift here? We, I can buy him a new one since I'm his daddy. Yeah. See, he's got some revelation. He's ahead of us. He's, see, that's important what he just said. Dad, cool. I need a new electric guitar. Now that you're daddy, I need this. That boy's got revelation. I'm serious. We need to give him an electric guitar. Pick out one and email it to us. And we will see what us can do. However, not how are you, but however for us, for me and you, our adoption is not based on how well we can play the electric guitar or how well we look or how we smell, how tall we are, how strong we are, how beautiful we are, how good of teeth we have, how good of bones we have. Our adoption is based on none of that. None of that. Okay? It's based on something else. It's based on the Father. Okay? That means our adoption is not fragile. Right? It's not, fra- it's not, it's not an iffy thing. It's not tenuous. It's not like, well, you know what? I adopted you, Dave, and you're really good on an electric guitar, but you got some other stuff that I really don't like, so out to the curve you go. <laughs> you see this? But it's not so with the Father. Because, see, the Father decided something. He looked at us and said, I'm making a decision about this person. See, it's all based on the Father's desire and love to do this. Okay? And it doesn't matter if you're messed up, you get messed up, you act like a fool, you do something wrong, you commit adultery. I don't care what it is. God does not disadopt you. And you know, I think, I want to say this, that's why the church needs to quit kicking people to the curve when they fall. We need to restore them, not kick them to the curve. I'm serious. We need to learn how to do that. All right, number two. This is great. Are y'all with me so far? Number two, it says, it says that uh, in verse six there, or uh, verse five, is having predestined adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. By, in other words, this is what the adoption comes only through Jesus Christ, only by Jesus Christ. Okay, you know what that means? That means it costs God something to adopt us. It was, in fact, it was, this is what I want you to get. I, I don't know if I can say this. Jesus is one of a kind. He is the most rare person there is. Because there's nothing else, there's not another person ever created or ever will be created that's equal to Jesus. Or even will come close to Jesus. He is a one of a kind, rare person. He is the most wonderful person there ever was. He really is the center of all heaven. In fact, if Jesus was not, if there was not Jesus, heaven would not exist apart from Jesus. There's no heaven apart from Jesus. He is what makes heaven heaven, is Him. And so the Father looked at us. He looked at you and I, and He said, I am going to pay the highest price there is. Charlie Watts, I'm going to pay the highest price for you. I'm going to pay my most rare, beautiful, wonderful son. There's nothing else like it. It's like a, a, a coin. There's no other coin like it in the world. It's worth more money than anything. One little coin. And the Father says, I will pay everything for you. I will give it all. And that's powerful. Isn't that powerful that God does that? That God looks at us and says, I'm going to do all that because I love you. Now, people, people, human beings, you, I don't believe you will ever find a human being that will adopt a baby they do not want. Why? Because it costs a lot of money to adopt babies. They go and they pick out this beautiful little baby and they're willing to go through all the red tape, all the difficulties, all the struggles. Because they love this little, little beautiful baby. Now, people will have babies they don't want, right? They'll, they'll have babies and get rid of them or unload them. Or it would be better if the baby was unloaded by them because they're, they get so, so abused. So God, but, but see, that's the way it goes. See, God, do you see that? God so desired us, He was willing to pay it all for us just to be able to adopt us. He, he paid the ultimate price to adopt us because nobody adopts a baby they don't want. And God wants you to know, I wanted you. I chose you. I paid the ultimate price for you so you could be my child. I think that's pretty powerful. You know, that really will have an effect on your life. Yeah, amen. That's awesome. Number three, uh, it says, are you all with me so far? 
Oh, don't you love all this stuff? It says in verse, uh, uh, it says to the praise of glory. Okay, no, according, verse 5, according to the good pleasure of His will. In other words, He adopted us according to the good pleasure of His will. The good pleasure of His All right, so in other words, God didn't look at us and say, those people are messed up, doggone it. I've got to rescue them now. They're just a bunch of messed up hooligans. You know, they've fallen into sin. They're, they're saying, they ain't right now. I've got to go fix this. Have you ever... Had that attitude about having to go fix something? Somebody calls you and they're in some big mess and you're mad at it. Well, you know the Lord always rebukes you. <laughs> I'm telling on myself now. Somebody calls me. I'm messed up. I was just sitting out eating supper. Can't you wait when you'll mess up? No, I, I got to really. T- I'm all mad and the Lord's saying, you better be careful, friend. This is something God totally desired to do. Remember I said that about the will. A will, that word will, the good pleasure of His will, is a desire that proceeds from one's heart or emotions. God, it wasn't a rescue mission. It, It proceeded from His heart. It was something He so desired to do. He looked at us and so desired to it. Now you... You've got to remember something. We, we were not like cute little orphans in a, in a nursery somewhere when he adopted us. Right? I wasn't. No, and Marlon wasn't. Some of us were hardened people. I mean, some of us were nasty people. You're talking about a spirit of uh, a, a nasty spirit. You're talking about perversion. You're talking about, you're talking about a dark mind. You're talking about criminal. We're talking criminals. We're talking about people who did awful things. We're talking about Paul Apostle who helped murder people. Okay, we are talking about some bad people. Those are the people that God looked at and said, I desire it with all my heart to have that person. Isn't that powerful? So our adoption is not based on God feeling sorry for us or having to do something. It's, it's based on, and, not, and it's not based on us having to be certain things. That we had to live up to some kind of standard that we got the best teeth. You know, that's how they get horses. They look at horses' teeth. And they look at their feet. You know, and they check their bones and all this stuff and look at their mane and all this to make sure. No, we don't have to be any of that. We can be the crummiest, ugliest, messed up thing. That's how our, what our adoption's based on. It's based on Him, not us. It's based on His desire for us. And that's powerful. So when you're in a messed up state and you are thinking that God doesn't care for you and that you're not accepted and you're not loved, that's a lie from hell. It really is. Isn't it clear? Everybody runs from God when they mess up, right? Nobody wants to talk to God when they're messed up. Nobody wants, I don't want to be around no Christians. I don't want to be around nobody because I've got all this sin going on in my life, all these bad feelings, all these bad attitudes. I just want to go recluse myself. When really, that's when we really do need to run to what they call the throne of grace because it's always there for us. It's waiting on us. And that's the time we really need to go. All right, number four, we're going to be done here. Adoption is for God's glory. Uh, in verse 6 it says, To the praise of His glory, of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Ain't that good? That's a powerful verse in the Bible. To the praise of His glory, of His grace. The goal of your adoption, okay, is that. That the glory, the glorious praise, it's, glory, it's, it's the praise of His glory, the glorious praise, the praise of His glory, of His grace. You see, here's what a lot of people think about this thing. I want you to know something about it. How many people are interested in the glory realm? Come on, you want to, I want to know. Did y'all like that term, the glory realm? That's something. Okay, we think it's some Pentecostal experience. I used to always say, well, that's for those Pentecostals. That's for those charismatic, that's for them really, really, I mean talking serious Holy Ghost people, that they're going to get into the Holy Ghost realm. Well, I decided I'm going to become one of those people, you know, because I want in the glory realm. But that was a false thought. That's a false thought. The glory is for sons and daughters. And see, when we begin, now we've got to shift our thinking to think that. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 baby. I may not be the most Holy Ghost person around, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a son. I may not be the most charismatic guy in, the, in town. And I may not be the most Pentecostal, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm a son of God, and I'm a son of glory. And I have access to that glory realm. I can walk into that glory realm whenever I need to walk into that glory realm. It's not just for that. Listen, it's John 17, 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That's what Jesus said. I've given this, I've given this sonship to him. I've given this access. This is glorious. This is a glorious thing. 
God really wants to give us some revelation on glory. I've given it to them. I didn't loan it to them. I didn't sell it to them. I didn't put them on probation for it. You know, I didn't do it. I have given, 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 given. When you were adopted, you were given glory. It's the glory of being a son or a daughter. And a son or a daughter can walk into the house. You see, the reason you're not going in there is you don't believe this stuff. Now, I'm telling you, you don't believe it. And you wonder why this ain't happening. It's your belief system. It's your mind. That may, they may be one just as we are one. So the Lord, that's what the adoption is for. Adoption is for us to be able to experience, experience the glory. Around. Does anybody believe that? Yeah. I mean, so we're going to really begin to experience the glory. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? There's a manifest glory coming. Okay? How many people in here would like to experience the manifest glory of the Lord? Now, what about the rest of y'all? What y'all want to experience? Because I'm going to tell you something. Things change. It's like we were taught years ago, well, there's the, the difference between anointing and glory. When you're anointed, you can do what you do better. When you're in the glory, you just can't do nothing. <laughs> I thought that's pretty good. That's where I want to go. I want to go where I don't have to do work, where I can't do nothing. You know, I, you know forget anointing. Give me glory. And God's going to bring us into the glory realm. And He's going to give us a grace to stand before Him because there's a time to stand before the Lord where, where you want to fall apart. And I like falling apart. I'm a fall apart kind of guy when the presence of the Lord gets strong. But there's a time when God's going, no, I want you to hold it together. Here's some grace. Hold yourself before me so you can get more. There's that coming. I've seen that. I've seen it where the Lord said, no, don't, don't. You've got to hold yourself before me. And when He said it, grace just fell on us like... We can do this instead of flying off the walls and bouncing and just going crazy, you know, and slobbering and carrying on. That's going to come, you know. And, but it comes, it comes to the sons and daughters. And you know what? He'll let some non-sons and daughters feel that. Oh, oh I, I'm on in. <laughs> That's what you call presence evangelism. I want in. I've seen it. I felt it. I want in that deal. Give me. How do I get in this deal? Yeah, that's easy. They'll be slobbering. I don't care. They can slobber. You can slobber in this church. You have permission. If God just touches you, you start slobbering. I'm not going to be bothered. Like, they can slobber. People may think it's demons. As long as it's not a demon, you can slobber. If it has a demon, we need to deal with the demon so you don't slobber like that. You know? Yeah. If it's green, we don't want it. Go somewhere else. Go outside. You know? No, I've slobbered before worshiping the Lord, actually. At home in a private setting, trust me. I'm not going to slobber here if I cannot, if I can help it. I'm asking God. No, I'm saying, grace me, Lord. Don't throw me out there. I don't want to be so stupid, you know, before people. Yeah, slobber on, mighty God. What was that the guy said? Somebody was... Uh, no, somebody was judging these people because they were acting like they had epilepsy when they were worshiping. Uh, yeah, it's true. And this this preacher stood up and said, "If that's if that's epilepsy, roll on, mighty epilepsy, because <laughs> those people were getting touched by the Lord. It wasn't ep- roll on. If you got to have act, act, act like that, roll on. <laughs> Don't you want to get in that place where God just undoes, uh, just completely undoes you, completely just takes all your inhibitions away? That's why people get drunk. Did you know that? People get drunk because they let all their guards down." And the, and the true self starts coming out. Well, the Lord wants to get people drunk on His wine of His Spirit. Yeah. We say we that the wine is your blood, that we would be intoxicated on what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Well, I'm into that. Now, I think you no know, epilepsy is a serious disease in the, you know, from the devil, but there's, a, there's something to that. So if you have epilepsy today, the Lord is probably telling you that He wants to heal you. You know, he probably wants to deliver you from that. I believe that. Ooh, mercy, Lord, have mercy. Y'all thought y'all was going to have some kind of great uh, teaching out of the Ephesians. Yeah, mercy, Lord. Yeah, bless you, Jesus. Mm. Okay. Yeah, roll on. (laughs) Number five. Number five, adoption. Listen, this is important. Holy Ghost people. I like being a Holy Ghost person. I decided it was better being a Holy Ghost person than not. And I decided that. Yeah, I and mean, this is a reason. Adoption is blessed with God pouring out a spirit of sonship on us. 
this is verse 13, jumping down. It says, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed. Now listen to this. This word for seal is a mark of identification. Whether you know it or not, you, there's a seal on you. You can't see it, but the angels see it. When you walk in a room, if there's an angel in that room, which there probably is, and you walk in, they look right away, they see that seal. And say, well, that's one of the sons. That's one of the daughters. That's, that, they're part of the family. We need to make sure we work around the family here. Whatever's happening, we need to take care of the family. Also, the devils know it. Now, here's how the devils get to us. They see something in us, unconfessed, unrepented thing. That's how I can get into the family's house. Let's do that. But when we repent, get under the blood, those, those devils won't touch us. They can't because they see the seal on us. And you know, the seal of identification is the seal of identity. You know, it's identity... It's provision. It's security. That's what it is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He seals us and, and He really begins to release the identity. This is who you are. You got that? That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why we love the Holy Spirit because He's, he's always saying, now this is who you are. Now Sarah, this is who you are. You ain't that. You're acting that way right now, but this is really who you are. He'll tell you that over and over and over. And, and He wants to convince us that He wants to provide for us. That man said something. Pappy Daniel said something to us. When he said it, it was like an arrow shot out of his mouth. Literally. In the spirit realm, an arrow was shot. When he said, I realize if God, that God is my Father, He has a responsibility. He has a responsibility to take care of me. God wants, God wants to hear those words out of our mouth. Where we really believe Him. You have a responsibility. We're not putting some on Him. He's already taken responsibility. When the Holy Spirit sealed us, He said, I own you and I take responsibility for you. Now, that's a revelation. He wants us to do that. And there's going to be some days, I promise you there's going to be some days when you need to know He took responsibility for me because I feel like I'm getting my tail stomped here. But I'm knowing he took responsibility for me. So I'm okay because I'm still a son. Nobody's treating me like a son. Everybody's treating me like a jerk. I'm acting like a jerk. I'm even thinking about acting like a worshiper jerk. But he took responsibility for me. He sealed me. Do y'all get that? And I think when the word of the Lord from Pappy Daniel was for us to get that, when he said that, and he got his 50 bucks that he needed, he only needed $50. Then he realized, oh, I need a little bit more. <laughs> I should have asked for more, Dad. <laughs> Isn't that, that a powerful story? Okay. So it gives us authority to be sons and daughters. That's really what it does. That's what the seal does. God, listen to this. God does not leave us in the state He finds us. He doesn't leave us like that. He releases the feelings, the emotions of being accepted and loved. I'm telling you, there's nothing more, whoo, there's nothing more securing and settling. It's when you feel the Father loves me. The Father is in, I am accepted. I belong. I am not looking on the outside looking in. I belong. I belong. The belonging spirit, feeling like you belong is a powerful feeling. Because the world out there, they want to belong. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to be loved. Whether you'll admit to it or not, that is the deepest desires of your heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He makes you feel that. He makes that real in your life. He releases that, and He'll release it over and over and over. He'll, he'll release it in good times and blessed times, and He'll release it in bad times. Because there's times that we got to... That's everything. I'm telling you, this stuff really counts big in the hard moments. But see, I don't want to learn it in the hard moments. I want to learn it when the Holy Ghost is moving. Oh, the river's flowing. I'm jumping in. Woo, I just feel so loved. 
Oh, I just feel, I just feel God loving on me. I, I just feel so accepted. I don't, that thing that was on me that made me feel lonely and made me feel desperate. I don't feel that no more. That emptiness down in here. Suddenly it got filled. I, oh, I just so need that. And then I walk out the door and somebody's waiting on me with some bad news. Ever had that to happen? Boy, you'd reach back. Oh, wait a minute now. All that was real. Jesus had this experience. This is one of these I think they're bored with. He was being baptized, Mark 1, 9 to 11. The heavens opened. A dove comes on him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is acceptance. This is love. Jesus goes through that, gets up, walks out into the wilderness. If you're the son of God, all of a sudden he's facing the devil. He's challenged to his core. He's hungry, he's tired, he's miserable, and the enemy's going after him, going after his identity, going after his sonship, going after that seal. Remember it says the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove? He was sealing him. If Jesus needs that experience, daggone, I'm lining up. I'm in line for that experience always. I mean, every day I'm in line for that experience. I want to keep having it over and over. Are y'all getting that? Okay, let me read this. Oh, verse 4, let me read this because we're, oh, I'm sorry. Not really. It's four over. I'm getting carried away. Listen to this. Just, verse 4 says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Listen, I want to help you with something this morning. Holy and without blame. How many people feel that way this morning? How many feel people feel holy and without blame? That's good. That's a couple of people. That's a good day. Okay? Holy and without blame. Why should we feel holy and without blame? Why do we? It's because He chose us. You see, we don't, we don't have to be holy and without blame to get Him to choose us. Do y'all see that? He chooses. He says, Sarah Ruth, I choose you. And guess what? Grace for holiness and without blame comes with my choosing. When I choose, I make you holy and without blame. And see, the devil's got everybody running around trying to be holy and without blame when God said, no, you don't have to do that. I've already done it. Just receive what I did. And because just don't never forget this the rest of your life. Holiness comes from being chosen. It's not what you choose and what you do. It comes from being chosen. Being without blame comes from God choosing you. Deciding He wants you. Now, when, you, when that starts becoming a reality in your life, see what I'm telling you, when this stuff becomes reality to you, you change. You become a different person. You start acting different. In fact, you'll start acting holier. And you'll start acting more blame. You'll start treating your spouse better. You'll start treating each other better. You'll start treating yourself better. I treat myself better than I ever have in my life now. Because I see myself... Is what I said at first. I'm a prince. I'm a son. I'm not going to abuse myself. I'm going to take care of my, I'm a, because that's who I am. And you see, but I'm convinced of that. I need a little bit more convincing always. I'll never quit meaning to be more convinced because I love the convincing too. All right, let me read this one last scripture. Are y'all good? Isn't the Lord good? I mean, telling you, isn't adoption good? We're a bunch of, we were a bunch of orphans. And, and God looked down into the orphanage of the world and saw the riffraff of the world and said, I want the riffraff. I want you. Alex, I want you. I picked you. I don't care what you've done. I picked you. I chose you. That's a good day when you hear God say that. I'm telling you this. This is what Romans eight fifteen through 16. This is awesome. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, it makes you. The Spirit Himself bears within our spirit that we are children of God. So this is what this thing does. Okay, this is what this does. It awakens in you this childlike affection for the Father. That's what the Spirit does. This affection, this desire. You know what? I've told you all this before. My mama reminded me of this the other day. She said, Byron, when you were a little boy, when your daddy went to go to what you would stand on the porch and cry for him because you loved him so much. My daddy used to pick me up, take me, put me in the car and drive me from the backyard to the front yard when he was leaving to go because I loved my daddy. It was nothing. My daddy was God. 
to me as a little boy. I would run to him and cling to him. I loved him so much. That was childlike affection. And God wants to, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That spirit adoption releases that to us. Where we run to God and we cling to God. We, God is everything to us. God, we love you. I want to be with you, God. Don't go to work. Don't leave without me. Don't do this without me. Please let me be with you. Whatever you do, wherever you at, please let me be with you. Because I'm just because you're, you're everything to me. That is childlike affection. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Bible says it's not that we love God, but God loved us and gave Himself for us. And out of that love that, that He releases in our life, it causes, it causes affection in our life for Him. You know, and then the ultimate thing is this. The, the last thing is, is it, that love turns into love for other people. I mean, it really will. That's the greatest sign of a person who's walking in the same. Eventually, at some point in time, there's this release out towards others where you begin to love people and care about people. That's a good motivation, you know, for evangelism. Amen? So let's just do this thing. Can we do this thing right quick? you got a couple more minutes. I want to pray, but I want to... Can you do that song one more time? Andy, I want us to do this song. This is a good song to do right now. Uh, I haven't forgot you, my people. I'm your father. I'm your daddy. Oh, we haven't forgot you, me. Lord, I want you to this morning, this, this people in this room right now, okay, hear me. Your heart has gotten cold from the Lord. Okay, that's just the truth. You, you sort of drift, you got some little drifting going on in your life. And you're moving away from God in some ways in your life. And God is saying, come back to me this morning. Come back to me and let the spirit of adoption release new and fresh affections for me. That's what the Father, let the spirit of adoption do what only he can do. Let him do that in you. Let you feel draw. Because this is one of the greatest riches there is in the gospel message is that we're adopted sons and daughters of the Father. It's a powerful revelation. And I pray this morning that, Father, I pray that this wouldn't be just hearing, but this really would become the truth in all of our lives. That every person in this room, that they would realize, Lord, they would realize how much you love them and that you adopted them and how much you paid for them and, and how you so desire to do it, how much you want and how much you want to let them know this and, and, and all those things, Lord, to every person, every person in this room, I want you to be able to receive that. And even if you don't feel it, even if it's like, gosh, this is so boring, please hurry up and let me out. Please, please. Just in faith, if you could just take a moment in faith and say, Lord, I I, I think that's the truth. Receive this. I want to receive it. Father, I want to say, you just pray. Father, I want to say for me, I need more of it. I don't have enough. I don't love you enough. I don't, I don't know enough about you. I want to know you at a deeper level. I want to know more about being a son in your house and who you say I am. I want to know more. This is more, Lord. There's, and I ask you to help that for me. And I pray for every person in this room. Lord, I pray for them. I ask you to do that in them. I pray you just let them experience adoption today. And experience all that it means. I pray that. I ask you to do that, Lord. Please do that. I'm asking you, Father, for this church, for people in this church. People who walk in the doors of this church, they would feel the spirit of adoption. They would feel the, feel the Father's heart here. That's what we want, Lord. We don't want all that other stuff. It doesn't matter. None of it matters, Lord. But if people know that the Father's here, that the Lord Jesus is here, that the Holy Spirit's here for them, to include them, to draw them in, to heal them, to fix them, to heal, to change their lives. I pray that, Lord. I pray you'd release that to us. I pray you'd release it in our hearts, in our homes, in our businesses. Wherever we go, we carry it, Lord. Just thank you in Jesus' name. I have not I just wanted to share um, what I was just singing to our daddy today. Um, I was just telling him that, Daddy, I know you are. I am your true love. I am your true love. I am your true love of your life. And I know I'm on your mind all the time. I know that you think about me all the time, Daddy. And I know 
that you know. people here today that need to know that he chose you he chose you he knew what you were going to struggle with but he chose you he knew what he was getting himself into he knew what he was getting himself into with you so Lord daddy we just know that we are your true love And we know that you think about us all the time, God. We know that you think about us all the time. Thank you. I've not forgotten you, my people. You are my daughters and my sons. have a place around my table All you have to do is come Behold the feast that I am serving Taste and see that I Thank you.